gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. What's up everyone and welcome to another episode of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. I'm David Hockney. You might remember me as the modern day Maharaja, the fellow with the yellow bin and the proprietor of Hockney's Hoagie House. But for now, I am your host for today. And in this week's episode, we'll be discussing a group of superstars that have changed the landscape of WWE and have become leading figures in the wrestling industry. So today we're going to be looking at the four horsewomen of NXT. Yay! <laughs> Uh, but first, uh, before we get into that, we've got a little bit of housekeeping. So make sure you're subscribed to us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Suplex Retweet. And make sure you're subscribed to the show on Spotify, iTunes, and all good Android podcasting sites. We've also got our website, suplexretweet.com, where you can find all the latest info on upcoming shows, articles, and all the other back catalogue of shows. Uh, so now that that's taken care of, let's meet the the four horse men to discuss the four horse women. <laughs> uh, up first, uh, after his comments made on last week's show, the most recent thing on this person's bank statement is forty three pounds worth of padlocks for his front door and windows as he hides from the wrath of Stracaconda. It is Scott McLeod. Welcome. <laughs> that's a good. That's better than some of your show. What did you say? Oh, you, I, you I, don't I, I, know. Go listen. Uh, best not repeat it. Yeah, <laughs> Casey listens. You brought out a new advertising campaign for failed wrestlers, basically. And yeah, yeah. Goat doesn't fear many people, but strike. I do love your assessment of us being the four horsemen. You're clearly Paul Roma of this group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just gone over my head here. <laughs> As do most things. Anyway, good to have you on board, Scott. Uh, up next, to be the goat, you've got to beat the goat. But I don't ever recall this guy ever beating me in a quiz. So, with, <laughs> so with, with Schlor straight from the refreshment room and his mint coat from the Ottoman, it is the posh spice <laughs> of each sleep suplex retweet. It is David Campbell. All right, you saved it at the end because Victoria Beckham is my idol, all right? <laughs> I thought it was fresh. I was about to say goodbye, my friends, but, you know... You I'm still Jerry Halliwell. You can still be Jerry Halliwell. <laughs> but there is a reason to celebrate today, though, David, because what day is it today? It is my birthday, the 7th of August. Yeah, I wish... Ooh. 23rd anniversary of the greatest single moment in human history. Nobody likes you when you're 23. <laughs> Is there a song about 23? Because that's that was the whole thing today. I was like, there's no more songs. Like, there's no more songs about my age now. Like, I, I lost 22 by Taylor Swift, but if there is another one, I'm yeah. happy. Just, just, play, just play the theme from 24 next year, you'll be fine. That, uh, do you know, uh, can I tell you a quick story? Uh, See, my work is the phone, uh, the ring phone is the 24 ring phone, and now it, like, haunts my nightmares because I hear it that much. <laughs> it's like, whenever it goes off and work and I'm having a bad day, I just start chucking plates at it, like, shut up! <laughs> well, it's good to have you here on your birthday as well. Thank you. And finally, we have our MVEP, a straight-fire master baker with the baps and buns to match, it's Kwakumaji! <laughs> wow! I like that one. That was good. Uh, I'm glad you said master baker because it sounded like you were going somewhere else yeah, with that one. Yeah, it's going somewhere. Uh, yeah. You like a bit of puns? And buns. And buns, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're straight fire today. Hoo-ah! <laughs> Alright, so how's everybody doing the day? You guys uh, ready to talk about the four horsewomen? I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, Alright. If we're not, then we're kind of screwed, so... <laughs> <laughs> Alright. So I'd like to kick off the conversation talking about the women's evolution of WWE as a whole. So, and particularly how the Four Horsewomen's 
uh, roles in particular played in this women's evolution. Do you guys think that they were the ones who really started it off, or do you think they were the driving force behind it? Uh, Scott, I'll start with you. Well, I think when you hear the story of NXT, I think NXT in general and people behind it like uh, Triple H were more keen on giving women a chance. And I think before we had these four, we had like so Summer Rae, Paige and Emma, you had Paige and Emma especially, when they had their series for the NXT Women's Championship, that was getting more time than most women's matches were at the time. So I think something was already building, and it's just when it started to really pick up, it's when about the time these four were getting more TV time, because they were around, but at the time of it starting, it was like the page and number that were the main focus of the division. Mm. So, yeah, you could say, like, you know, you said, like, eight superstars like Paige as well, like AJ mm-hmm. Lee as well, who's been very vocal about a women's evolution. Uh, David, it was actually AJ that started the hashtag Give Divas a Chance mm-hmm. after a match involving the both of them, I think, or it was at least Paige. That lasted only about 30 seconds on a raw TV taping. Totally. What what did you think was the response to that uh, coming out after that hashtag? See, the, I have a very interesting take on this whole thing because I do think if we're talking about this specific renaissance of women's wrestling, then I would attribute it to AJ Lee, who I don't only think with that hashtag and that tweet, but also her presence in WWE TV was its top female star at the time and their biggest female star since uh, Trish and Lee had left the company I think but I I don't like the way the WWE's branded this as an evolution or a revolution I think that women's wrestling since the days of Moolah going up to the days of Trish and even in the days when WWE wasn't doing good women's things TNA's knockouts division was killing it so I don't think women's wrestling ever really went away but in WWE's eyes they're trying to paint it as oh look women's wrestling now it's new it's fresh it's groovy let's brand it but I do think some of it is a bit hyperbolic but I do agree they were probably in a new golden era of women's wrestling right now yeah, Quacker, you know, just as David said, you know, it feels like WWE was sort of behind the times when it came to uh, promoting women's wrestling. Do you think that's fair to say, given that so many promotions, like, say, in the UK and worldwide, have sort of taken it in their stride and moved with the times? And WWE's a bit late to the party? Yeah, I mean, it's, I've got to say that WWE are a bit guilty of jumping on a bandwagon, uh, so to speak, mm-hmm. and then tooting their horns a bit too much as if they're the pioneers of it all mm-hmm. yeah. when really other people have been doing it but it's just so much as the WWE that they're the biggest brand and the biggest company that when they seem to do it, it seems to be louder and better when it's not always the case and the fact that I had to take a, a tweet and fans to jump behind it for them to get involved mm-hmm. says Mm. Yeah, obviously in the years prior to the Give Divas a Chance hashtag came out, NXT was already, it already had a strong women's division going forward. Do you think, you know, that with aforementioned names such as like Paige and Emma and Summer Rae, do you think the four horsewomen, when they joined, do you think they were the sort of main driving force of bringing that change to the main roster? Yeah, definitely, because by the time the Give Divas a Chance thing happened, we'd already started doing the takeovers. So we'd already had, like, likes with Charlotte, uh, she had that match with Natalia at the first takeover, which is, I still think, one of the best women's matches in the last five years. She had, she's been having matches with Bailey and Sasha Banks, and then remember that time the hashtag, we had that four-way, which we talked about in the greatest takeover matches show. So they were already showing, showing people what women's wrestling could be, and one of the things when you see how do we, like, markets these, all these first ever that would go on years later, it's a weird thing, it's a case of we were breaking down the barriers that we were ourselves put up. It's like when I always think when Frozen came out, they tried to push this whole thing, you don't the princess doesn't need to immediately marry this guy she just met. 
So you're breaking the stereotype you've showcased in every <laughs> other movie you've ever done, mm-hmm. and suddenly now you're saying, "No, oh, we don't need to do that." Like when he's double-edged sword. And uh, David, do you think with ne- with NXT obviously being only featured on the network rather than sort of mainstream TV, do you think that sort of hindered the development of women's wrestling and the fact that you, the only way you could really truly see it was to be a network subscriber? I I think it's the opposite because in terms of the four horsewomen I think there's a case of ownership from the fans the hardcore audience behind them because they were on the NXT brand which the hardcore audience was watching that were saying look at these matches look how great they are I will say this like see you're talking about at the time them being the spearhead of the movement I think they were but I think they did benefit greatly from the tools that they were given training in the performance centre getting that time in NXT like I've said it multiple times to people in conversation see the likes of Nikki Bella and Naomi were trained for years in the performance centre and given time to have those matches they could put on as great wrestling clinics as the four horsewomen are doing right now it's not the fault of the talent that came before them but to answer your question yes the four horsewomen did spearhead the revolution because of the quality of their in-ring work mm-hmm. uh, Quacky do you have anything to add? yeah well for me um, a big mention needs to go also to Paige mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. something like I'm a big fan of Ember um, Moon and if you watch her program on the network where she has her kind of 24 moment she actually said that she did they get a contract, initial contract uh, offer from WWE because, and I quote, she didn't have the diva look. And she actually said that Paige told her, no, come back, we've actually, it's actually evolved and we're doing things differently. Encouraged her to apply again after trying it and look at where she is now. She's mm-hmm. now challenging, mm-hmm. or when, by the time this comes out, she she is the new SmackDown Women's <laughs> Not Champion. Not in your life, uh, my gal Bailey has oh, got this in the oh, bag. <laughs> sorry, by the time this comes out, she just got pipped to the post. Unfortunately, our truth came in and pounded <laughs> Bailey. So yeah, that's why it's all right. Um, so yeah, just for the the premise of this year, we're going to be sort of focusing more on the the four horsewomen of NXT aforementioned. We're going to sort of take a a deep dive into how they've progressed through NXT and onto the main roster, and we're going to start off with arguably the most talked about of the four horsewomen. We're going to start off with the second generation superstar that is Charlotte Flair. So um, Charlotte Flair, just to run a few statistics by you, she is a eight-time WWE Women's Champion, which is a new record, beating, obviously, Trish Stratus with seven. Uh, She's also a one-time WWE Divas Champion and a one-time NXT Women's Champion. So it could be argued that She's probably the most accomplished of all the four in terms of title reigns. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott, do you think this is a a fair analysis of how she's done so far? Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I said, she's always the most accomplished. She always knew all four of them hopefully going to go into great things. I think it's just a case of Charlotte, when you see most of her title reigns, it's always when she's been in a long-term feud or when she was a heel, because she can be a strong heel champion for people to chase. So I think a lot of that, and also, she, get, she's, she was involved in her first major feud, we'll talk about a bit later on on the main roster. That involved a lot of switching back and forth, but I think that really helped that story. So I think that's just happening. You, you don't realise, when you, until you add it up, you realise just how much she's accomplished. Uh, David, see when she first appeared in NXT, you know, she was integrating with so many very talented women, not just inside the ring, but do you think... Like her status as a flair had already given her a bit of a head start going into sort of thinking, oh, she's going to be a big name 
just as soon as she walked through the door. Definitely, you've seen it in wrestling, the amount of second and third generation wrestlers, it's, it's unlike any other profession, uh, the children just seem to follow their parents into this profession. I think what WWE did at first with her wasn't very clever, they tried to make her beloved and kind of a baby face off the back, she was a flair. They did it enough when she first came to NXT and then when she first came to WWE. Charlotte for me is, and I mean this, they can get a lot of negative connotations from about what I'm about to say. She's the Triple H of women's wrestling. She is the final boss of women's wrestling in WWE, <laughs> and that's what I love about her, and that's the role I think she should play. She gets a lot of stick for the amount of title reign she's had and the amount of gold that's been placed above around her waist. You won't get a better foil in women's wrestling ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's absolutely outstanding, the character she's playing right now. Yeah, and you know, as for mentioned as well, you said there was quite a lot of uh, face turns and heel turns, particularly not just on her time in the main roster, but also in NXT. Like she, um, I think her first heel turn came when she was uh, she formed an alliance with Sasha Banks as part of uh, BFFs. Oh, <laughs> I, I need to talk about this. Yeah, go one, for it. One of the one of the best commentary calls from movie go that nobody really remembers. I think it's Charlotte and uh, Bailey against Sasha and Summer Rae because Summer Rae was a part of the group. But she would spend more time in the main roster going forward. And then uh, Bailey goes for the tie. She's been isolated for most of the match. She goes for the tie. Charlotte moves and just slaps. Bailey, and you just hear William Eagle just a silence, a stunned silence from the crowd. You hear William Eagle going, Oh, the rotten cow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard that and I just started laughing, just like. Uh, oh, well. oh, he was great in commentary, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she had the sort of temporary alliance with Sasha Banks as part of Beautiful Fierce Females or BFFs. And they ended up having a match at one of the takeover events. So there were so many to. to I think it was Rival. Uh, our, our evolution, like, rival revolution was, yeah. our rival was the the four way. The four way, yeah. So yeah, it's NXT Takeover our arrival. She loses her title match to Sasha, but this was after she had won the the tournament to become the second ever NXT Women's Champion. Do you think, uh, David? Do you think you know an NXT Women's Title reign was pretty much guaranteed for her? Yeah, definitely. But I also think it's one of the most boring parts of her career. Um, I think that um, Charlotte and NXT was a bit cut and dry. She was this woman who should, could certainly go in the ring, but she was in danger of becoming the next Natalia. At that point, there wasn't a lot of character work, and I mean that with the utmost respect to Natty. Um, <laughs> she's been there for years. Well, I, Scott just, like, I'm, 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 there just trying to make I, a comment about it. I'm not slagging her in that way, but like uh, the NXT title run was definitely on the cards, but they were yet to utilise her in the right way, despite the fact that every match that I've seen her have in NXT inside the ring, the ring was crisp it was golden and it was fantastic yeah I think mm-hmm. they, they wanted to focus more on the sort of in-ring talents of their female talent when it came to the the NXT side of things but obviously when she made the transition to the main roster that's when you have to sort of develop the skills to be a really good all-rounder and when she did move to the main roster uh, in 2015 just before that year's SummerSlam she was aligned with Paige and Becky as part of Team PCB? No, the submission sorority. <laughs> we don't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> it was an why, do we not, why do we not call it the submission sorority? No, it was was it all sorority sisters. No, no, no the submission sorority. Because they all had submission moves. It was the name of a porn Yeah, I was going to say. Oh, so submit. I don't know. Yeah, just don't Google it. That's all I'll say. <laughs> if you do, delete your history. <laughs> <laughs> did, did they consider a submission experience? No, <laughs> they, didn't. they were going to call them the Viking sorority, but they couldn't get the, the equipment at that point. They couldn't order in the hammers, the Bludgeon Brothers were still using them, probably. <laughs> you just imagine them coming out in Viking gear. That'd be like, fantastic. Mm-hmm. That'd be it. That would be excellent. But yeah, um, 
So she joins Team PCB. Do you think this was the right direction for her going forward, Scott? I don't really. I don't think so because the problem we had with her and Becky being with Paige, and then against Bella's team and Sasha with Team Bad is it's basically what to do with the cruiserweight division uh, a year later. Basically, you got all these new people with very little like time to really introduce them. Say here, here's new people. Look, enjoy them, like them. <laughs> like we don't know anything about them. And Charlotte, like, I think it was just a way to get her on the main roster. But you could always tell. They were, they were pushing her as the most important part of that trio. And I think as soon as she moved away from that trio and started going back to being here, which, is, which I think she's better at, she was better off on it. It was the lamest thing ever. I hated that. Yeah. Everyone's like, look at this moment. And when they debuted, it was cool. But see all the gang warfare stuff that happened after it? It was the most... I don't know, artificial thing you could ever think of. I'm Stephanie McMahon, and this is a new member of your team, Paige, and don't worry, Team Bad, got someone new for you as well. Look at this, eh? Triple threat <laughs> matches all round, guys. There we go. Triple threat tag teams. Yeah, and I'm warfare. Just, this is stupid. Like, there's no reason for them to be aligned with each other. There's no friendship there. There's no reason that Sasha Banks and Tamina, I couldn't see them grabbing a caramel macchiato together. <laughs> it was silly. It was silly. Like, Scott is right. Like, I, I get the need for it because you're introducing so many people at once you want to showcase them. But they could have done it so much better. Than so you, you'd argue that this was done purely for the sake of trying to get so many new women on the roster at once? I get they were trying to inject uh, uh, some new blood into it. Um, I just think the storyline was all wrong. Yeah. It's one of the things like, oh, new fresh blood, fresh at matchups. Then again, the matches didn't go that long. Like they had the triple threat, three way thing at SummerSlam. They got like nine minutes. So within like a couple, Team Bad are gone. And then when you, by the time you've got a chance to really digest the, the teams that are left, it's when the matches over. They're uh, in a toilet break. And if still. you're Charlotte, to bring it back to her for a second, you must feel a bit shortchanged. I'm like, mm. I'm in this nine women uh, match at SummerSlam. Meanwhile, Sasha Banks and Bailey have just got to tear the house down the night before. You know what I mean? I wish I was back in NXT. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, I think Sasha was like, okay, I'll just sit here in the apron. I'm bloody knackered after yeah. last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and after that, obviously, the big faction warfare, Charlotte went on to feud with Nikki Bella, and she was the one to dethrone her from the longest reigning Divas Championship of all time. Which in itself was a bit spiteful towards AJ, given that she was the one who was, you know, if she had the hashtag give Divas a chance. Do you think the timing of the win was purely out of. That, do you think like they could see it coming, yeah. but in the same way that they had to delay it for about six days just so Nikki could get the, the longest record? Do you think that's a. That's fair. A fair analogy. Aye, she was uh, very much booked like Roman Reigns at that time. Um, and the, Charlotte, is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the sense that, oh, like we know the title reign's coming, but let's put these fake obstacles we know she's eventually going to overcome in our way. There didn't seem like a real threat to Charlotte eventually winning the title. In terms of Nikki Bella, I'll always vouch for Nikki Bella. I think she's extremely underrated as both a character and in the ring, yeah. she proved greatly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think when people say she didn't deserve the title reign, it's a bit of a it's a bit unfair to her I get the whole AJ thing but again it was a bit predictable Charlotte winning it the problem was they hadn't got a character right at that point and the feud with Nikki didn't feel personal enough it just felt like oh we've got Charlotte Flair here and she's going to go up against Nikki Bella and she, she should feel like a big deal guys right? you, mm-hmm. you listen to her you watch her that's something I will say uh, as, as a fan as well and I can't say this about fans I think fans undervalued and didn't give Nikki the respect she deserved for what she done Mm. Yeah, I think her being around the time period she was, I think fans unfairly uh, plastered her and Nick and Bree and all the people with the plaster. This is what they represent, what's wrong. They represent the diva era 
and she had that belt with the belt in itself was a problem. Thankfully, they would get rid of it soon after. But the case of like Nikki would go away shortly after the feud with Charlotte because this would be when she had the neck issues. And it's a shame because she was starting to really improve in the ring. She did a better STF than Buddy Cena did. Yeah. <laughs> and like she was starting to have better matches. Her food weight in Italian in like, 2017 was actually better than it had any right to be. Mm-hmm. And like just the case of, like, if she had the training that like you said earlier that these women did, she could have been a lot better. And she had a bit more time. She could be having great matches mm-hmm. with some of the new crop women that were coming up. So yeah, just moving forward from after she won the Divas Championship, she went on to have multiple feuds with Paige uh-huh. and also her former Team PCB member Becky Lynch at the Royal Rumble that in 2016. But then, as the sort of women's evolution started to progress, you know, the the Divas were being referred to as superstars now, so it was just they became basically equivalents. <laughs> and then at WrestleMania 32, that's when Lita introduced the. The, the Raw Women's Championship and Charlotte would face Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks in what was arguably the best match of WrestleMania 32, would that be fair to say? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Like, it started, to sh- this is where we started to see real improvement. Like, they were being referred to as superstars, they got the new title, and also the, the big poster for most of the things was Undertaker, Shane, that drew a lot of people in, Roman, Triple because that was the main event, and the other main event a lot of people assumed was. Uh, Brock and Ambrose, so that would be on the poster. No, the other match on the poster was the women's triple. So it showed that these were worthy of top billing with these other major stars who were all considered big draws at the time. So they were basically retiring the Butterfly Divas Championship, thank God. Thankfully. It was horrible, yeah. yeah. Do you think Charlotte was the right person to win that match? Yes, absolutely, because that was the turning point. Like yeah. That whole period you mentioned it's was the, the heel turn. The reason I say that is because Sasha Banks at the time was getting a ton of support. But do you think because Charlotte carried herself really well as a champ as a champion? Yeah. Uh, on Quacko's one. I'm sorry, I disagree. That was the Sasha moment. That was a Sasha time, and um, I can't do begrudge Charlotte and everything. Yeah, yeah. But Sasha was just the hottest product going, and just when she came out, especially in those Eddie Guerrero trunks. And she had the crowd in her hands, and they didn't give her the belt purely to preserve a stupid pay per view streak. I'm sorry. I don't think it was the pay per view streak. For me, I don't. I think people they love a babyface win at WrestleMania. They think that the babyfaces like deserve, and many of them do. I'm not denying that Sasha Banks doesn't deserve a big career moment. She she's a fantastic worker. But tell me this, would you hate Charlotte as a character as much had she not got the win at WrestleMania 32? Mm-hmm. Had she not established herself as mm-hmm. the top heel, this unbeatable Triple H-esque, just final boss monster that <laughs> she became? You know what I mean? And that that was the moment where they got the character right for me. A lot of people disagree with that. Damn, but I hate you. She came out <laughs> with Ric Flair with her dad. She was playing into like the nepotism and all that. And it was just, it was absolutely, for me, Charlotte winning at WrestleMania, a lot of people give it sl- as a lot of stick and there are good arguments for that but I think overall the right thing was done you I'm going to sit back here and drink short <laughs> <laughs> I mean it, you do make a, myself <laughs> you do make a good point and she had the in-ring ability to back up because I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure she pulled out a corkscrew moonsault to the outside as yeah. well and everybody was like wow so it wasn't like you know it was a boring match or she just got there by it was match the night yeah I've seen it like, like a month later at um, the Hydro it was a house show uh, oh, they did that match again the triple threat thank uh, god we had that match because the rest of the card that night was 
terrible weird shame as Roman in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll say this: like my my younger, I took my youngest sister to that house show, and she dressed up as Sasha Banks, like dyed all her hair and stuff like that. So okay. Sasha Banks was still a popular babyface even after losing at WrestleMania. I don't think it derailed Sasha as much as people want to see. I think she was still selling yeah. the merch. She was still mm. doing well, and she still had a ton of title reigns after that. Yeah, because I think. Going forward, because uh, we'd done the thing with Becky at the Rumble, I mean, obviously they could have still came back to it, which they did. But I think Sasha Charlotte was going to be the women's feud going forward, so either way, either one of them could have won it. And people were still hot for when Sasha did win. It was one of the cases, like you said before, we know it's coming eventually. And I think it was all helping to establish the relationship, the fact she had, not only could she back up, but she had Ric Flair on the outside, because she had, I believe, I think maybe been Sasha in the, uh, in the figure eight, and... Becky was trying to get in the ring and Ric Flair's the one grabbing onto her leg so he's playing a factor in her winning as well so mm-hmm. it's again it's building the heat for uh, for Charlotte well, I'm glad you brought up the, the Charlotte-Sasha feud that would um, that would occur in the coming months on the main roster because I mean whilst it was a bit of a hot potatoing with the women's title almost it did inspire quite that continuous change of you know women's wrestling as well because mm-hmm. they had the first ever Women's Hell in a Cell. Mm-hmm. They had the Iron Woman match mm-hmm. at Roadblock that year. And my favourite one was the False Count Anywhere. The False Count Anywhere, yeah, oh, wow. exactly. Do you think that feud was a good way to establish the both of them, or do you think the the frequent title changes kind of dampened it a bit? I don't think it dampened it at all, because we've got, like, one of the most cherished time periods for Mola fans are, is the Attitude Era, and in that we have loved feuds like Mankind v The Rock and Mankind, sorry, Triple H versus The Rock. And in those feuds, the title kept changing hands so many times. Like, look how many title change, times the WWE title change had from Survivor Series 98 up until right before WrestleMania 15. It was flopping time, but nobody thinks that. All people think of is all oh, the great moments, like at the Rumble, when with the chair shots or Mankind on the Raw, when they tried to spoil it, but he still won anyway. I think they were trying to establish both women as the top women. I think, yeah, it hurt Sasha maybe a bit in the long run. She couldn't hold on to it. But the That's, matches, the, that was yeah. the problem. That was the but problem. She's yeah. never matches, defended it. But the matches, never a successful defender. Sorry. But the matches themselves, I think, were great. They were establishing that this is a, qual- a new quality of women's wrestling for the time. Like, I'd prefer the Iron Woman match to the Hell in a Cell, even though they said it's the first ever Iron Woman match. No, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> like the Hell in a Cell was divided because, yeah, I get you got to have Hell in a Cell with the Universal title. If something they threw Roman Rusev in a Hell in a Cell as well, so oh, they had three Hell in three a Cell, that cell night. matches that night. So they time like don't they didn't try and have Charlotte and Sasha do anything new, any new type of spots in the match. They just said, oh, this one will be set apart because it's women. We don't have to do anything else. That's, well, that's the problem. PG Hell in a Cell in general, isn't it? It's hard to differentiate between them because there's less you can do within the cell structure. I think, and I think the match suffered from that a wee bit. But I will say about the hot potato, and I completely agree with Scott. I think that this idea that a champion has to have a, a long title reign is a bit. I don't. I don't think it's correct at all. He talks about the attitude era there. I think it's completely correct. Um, I actually think that the we remember the moments and we remember the feud because of the amount of title changes that were in it we remember moments like the Falls Count Anywhere match we remember the times the main evented Raw we remember the Hell in a Cell if um, Sasha just retained against Charlotte every time one you devalue Charlotte as a heel two you don't remember the matches as much and three people get bored of Sasha Banks very quickly the same way they've got bored of other champions who held it for a long time a la AJ Styles last year you know what I mean <laughs> so that's, that's what I'd look at look at that title reign it was boring because it was so long and it never felt like it had a credible threat these two felt like any of them could win in any given day and that's what was exciting about it 
Yeah. So, sort of going into 2017, I think that's when sort of Charlotte uh, sort of took a step a step down a bit because around sort of post WrestleMania time, you had Bailey as Raw Women's Champion and you had Alexa Bliss as the SmackDown Women's Champion, and that's when she was drafted to SmackDown. And it did take her a while before she acquired the the SmackDown Women's Championship. Do you think this was a, a much needed like? dare I say, a step back from seeing Charlotte at the top of the hill all the time. Do you think that's a... I think it's a cooling off period more than anything. Yeah, like a, a cooling off period, that's yeah, the, the I th- phrase. I, yeah. think, I, think, um, I think you need that with everyone. We've seen it recently. Charlotte, again, has went, been off telly for... Um, she wasn't as frequent after Money in the Bank for a month, and it was nice, it was refreshing, because you get to rebuild her character that way. Um, wrestlers, especially in this era, don't need to be on telly every week. I think that was the Roman Reigns problem. And I think when Charlotte gets to take a step back, when she gets to have that cooling off period, it prevents fans from turning legitimate heat into expat heat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we've seen with Shane McMahon crop up uh, recently. Uh, just one other question before we sort of move forward. One of the more notable uh, points in her career was that she was the one to end Asuka's unbeaten run at WrestleMania 34. Scott, do you think she was the right person to do it? Yes. Because there was only one other person that probably that he would have, would have put her against to do it, and it probably would have been Ronda Rousey at some point. And I think the backlash to Ronda doing it would have been a lot more negative than this. Because as much as Ronda quickly improved, she she, she had a natural ability, I think, to being in ring. She still was a bit green at times, and you can see that throughout her run last year. So, but Charlotte, I think their match, her and Asuka's match, is probably matched the night on that WrestleMania as well and it was only the second match like because usually the second match suffers because they had to follow that triple threat they did not struggle like at all they had that one like the Spanish fly or the minsoc counter into the arm bar I think it was a class match and like the main issues is with streaks is the booking afterwards so like if you properly booked Asuka going forward then you may not have had this problem because like when things end or like when streaks in like Charlotte's pay-per-view streak main issues with them is they don't do anything else or they don't do them in the right way mm. mm-hmm. I completely agree so just, just one final point before we move on to the next uh, the next person would it be fair to say that Charlotte has been somewhat overbooked in the same way as like say John Cena or Roman Reigns and that has had a negative impact on how the fans perceive her no for one reason they did with Charlotte what they didn't do with Roman Reigns and John Cena they turned her heel at the right time mm-hmm. that's exactly like it works with a heel it works what they do with Charlotte Hill because she is, like I said, the Triple H of the women's division. She's the one you want to be frustrated with. You're the one you don't want to see at the top of the mountain. The thing they did with John Cena and Rowan Waynes was book them in the exact same way they book Charlotte Flair, but expect the fans to cheer them. She is the most natural monster heel, not in terms of stature or size, but in terms of just sheer winningness. The, the final boss. Yeah, for lack of a better yeah, term. Like... The return of Becky, which is maybe a heel turn on on uh, Charlotte, which was would, was better than if she'd attacked anybody else. Uh, the whole thing, if it was, she was like a John Cena Roman Reigns, they wouldn't have changed anything. They would have kept Becky heel and Charlotte face. But by the time, shortly after a bit evolution, Charlotte was a heel again, and Becky was now this big anti-hero face. If she was like John Cena, they would, wouldn't have changed a thing. And that, and like David said, that's the difference between them. Yeah, I don't understand like how they can realise that was Charlotte. Mm. and not do it with the men it's, it's weird to me it really is I know uh, well, uh, well we'll follow on with our sort of towards the end but let's uh, move on to the, the second of our four horsewomen and it is the legit boss herself Sasha Banks now she was actually the first to appear on NXT TV which I found out on the first ever historic all women's show which oh. you can listen to on our back catalogue by the way 
so check that out. Uh, but yeah, and then Charlotte followed closely behind her, funnily enough. Yeah. So she started off in NXT in that alliance with Summer Rae, the beautiful fierce females, uh, BFFs. How do you think she started off in NXT? Boring. Yes. It's very bland. Yeah, she was the generic smite, always smiling, and they always mentioned, oh, by the way, she's related to Snoop Dogg, by the way. It's like Roman Reigns come out, be, be the fan favourite. By the way, he's related to this Samoan person as well. He's related to The Rock. Yeah. Well, they do that in the Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw movie, but it works better there. Than <laughs> <laughs> it's about family. She's just like, Dave, you're going to get into our gimmick. Um, but uh, we always find in our wrestlers early years you look at Randy Orton when he debuted you look at John Cena when he debuted before they find themselves before they find their character you look back at that as a sort of odyssey look back at that as a period you don't really want to explore because it's not the true Sasha Banks you're seeing back then mm. so you, would it be fair to say that, with, that our sort of initial run was a bit more of like a generic superstar starting off in like say WWE as someone who's just making their first appearance and they're just trying to lay a foundation with the fans and also with TV appearances. Yeah. That's fair to say. Yeah, I think it worked because it was NXT because this is the place where you're trying to find that thing that works for you and it takes longer. For others, like, Angelo Dawkins has been in NXT for ages before he finally found the whole Street Brothers thing. Jason Jordan was another one who was around for ages before he found the tag team with Chai Gable and over time, as soon as they turned Sasha heel, every time she came out, there was a new thing being added. Eventually she'd add, like, the gear. She'd have a different type of swagger. You could see that or then eventually she dyes the hair like it's a slow gradual it's like transformation got, it's like she got enough bitcoins and <laughs> <laughs> well, I can buy this bit of gear I can dye my hair now it's great you know uh, so like like one of those creative characters you get and yeah. like, the more money you get the more upgrades you can get definitely that's what it felt that's quite a good comparison and yeah and then with all those extra upgrades she becomes arguably one of the best gimmicks to ever appear in NXT like David how good was the legit boss as a heel amazing <laughs> that early run um, is what got me back into it's what got me into NXT um, Sasha Banks made me watch NXT because I couldn't ignore it anymore when she came out and she was with the character and that entrance in Brooklyn with the, the, the big car and she's coming out with security I was just like this is amazing like you don't get character work sometimes the main roster in this era of the workers and like, you don't get as many like fully fledged characters who are larger than life she was larger than life despite being a very small woman you know like, <laughs> like, like she just felt like a star she looked like a star and I was like that's what made me take NXT more seriously was Sasha Banks yeah I think she was the first proper heel women's champion up until that point because her title win comes out of nowhere because she counters a thing that Charlotte's doing into a roll up and it comes out of nowhere like it takes a moment to realise that she's actually won or actually when she goes on this run she has a feud with a then babyface Alexa Bliss before she makes that transformation to the Alexa we know now and then she has the feud with Bailey and she has a match with Becky Unstoppable like she's the first proper like good heel champion and that was what we needed in the next Evelyn division at the time I'll say that, like, that I love that match uh, Unstoppable with Sasha yeah. and Becky I think it's easily uh, one of the most underrated women's matches of it, all time it, we, got a lot of, we got a lot of critical acclaim I think that's the phrase you use yeah. for describing like, films and stuff I, well, the thing <laughs> is like people look at like because the match with Bailey came shortly after that like oh this is the greatest thing since sliced bread but I think that match she had with Becky is equally just as good if not better I think it was more more people look at it because that was on a SummerSlam weekend so there were a lot more eyes on it than there would be in a usual takeover because the takeover 
then weren't before pay-per-views they were just every now and then randomly here's a takeover yeah <laughs> yeah the, the takeovers were sort of coming hard, like fast and more frequent uh, as fast, and to, uh-huh. fast and furious fast and furious instead of a suit right uh, but then obviously you obviously mentioned there was the critically acclaimed match with Becky but we have to discuss the feud that really put the women's evolution on the map mm-hmm. and that is the feud with Bailey going into NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, the first one outside of Full Sail University, so it felt like a big deal. That match has been highly regarded as one of the best matches, never mind best women's matches, to come out of WWE and NXT. Scott, do you remember watching that match and what you thought, just just watching it as it played out? I remember, for a reason, it started in 2015, I took a break from watching NXT because... I didn't have the network yet and I wasn't as freely available. So I got back in NXT even a bit the time of Toronto, uh, Toronto uh, Brooklyn. So, and I loved it and I'll, I knew of Sasha because she's been on the main roster and all that. And I loved the promo before this. They make the story of the fact that Bailey is the only one who didn't go up. And also, unlike the other three, the other three have had time as a heel briefly. And it always seemed to be they, they would turn on Bailey. And it would be a picture of the forum, it would show each one turning on slowly. Bailey just starts to fade away and all that. The idea of Bailey needs to win, she needs to prove herself, otherwise she's going to fade into obscurity and the other three are going to overtake her. So, in that aspect, would you say that Sasha Banks was kind of the final boss when it came to this feud? She was the, well, the final legit boss. She's, <laughs> she's the Roddy Piper of NXT's early days, and that, I mean that with the, the utmost nice phrase. Nice she mm. is uh, just like Roddy Piper, I think, is responsible for the start of Hulkamania. Uh, and it's true as form the start of WrestleMania, and it's true as form Sasha Banks uh, put TakeOver on the map. Uh, with what she does as a heel in this in this uh, match, and I think mm-hmm. I just can't praise that part of her career enough. It was amazing. It was truly. It was one of those times where you were excited about wrestling again because of her. Mm. And the fact that she had those interactions with some of Bailey's diehard fans, so like like Izzy as well, <laughs> <laughs> like that amazing. Like you don't really see that in the main roster anymore. You don't see anybody like physically like get involved with fans these days. Yeah. And, but the fact that they sort of pushed the boundary with that with Sasha, do you think that really sort of stepped her up as a, as arguably the best heel that the company had? It just worked because it was Izzy. Yeah. You know, the like, biggest Bailey fat. Well, yeah. apart from Lucy, but um, yeah, well, it just worked because like she was in the front row and as a child, and you're like, oh, that's cute. Look at this girl getting into wrestling because of her hero, and then Sasha just oh, and it's just like, oh, like, it's, it's like one of those things. Like, her, she made her cry as well. I know, yeah, she and did. That's it why it worked. <laughs> it worked because. People weren't, there were never really anybody at that time period who was willing to go that far to be hated. Like, the only closest comparison to her, I remember making this comparison at the time when me and Ross were watching it, is Jericho. Because when Jericho was a heel bag, no, he said, like, he would fully go in, you got it. Like, there would be a certain distance between, uh, from the arena, he wouldn't talk to any fans. He would be, if he'd been in an elevator in the arena, he ran to a fan, they asked for a picture, he would just look forward and ignore them. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, a new level of this. Like, this is proper old school heel. Like, not just like the cool heel that was a bit funny and you like them because the baby's a bit bored. No, like, she's a proper heel and she doesn't care if you like her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so her transition to the main roster, she joins this. this faction war, as we as we discussed before, and she joins. Yep, team bad with Naomi and Big Tam Tamina. So BAD. Her thing that Tamina was in that group. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Team Beautiful and Dangerous as well. But that wasn't the only feud as well. I forgot to mention, she was also in a sort of temporary alliance with Becky. Uh, Team BAE. Team Bay. <laughs> so she oh. was in BFFs. BFFs, Team Bay, Bay and Team, Team Bad. Bad. 
Terrible. And still not the worst name for a team that she's been involved in. Yeah, that is. Well, be Team Bay was best at everything. That's what it stood for. Well, like, I remember that match. They had her and Becky versus Tamina and Naomi. It was at Fastlane. And I remember being so surprised by how good that match was because it opened the show and there was like a two or three falls match with Kalisto and Alberto on the pre-show. And I was like, it kind of felt like the way they built up, like they should be the other way around. But then you watch this match and you're like, huh, I'm actually surprised of it. Yeah. Like, well, any match with Tamina involved that ends up good as a surprise, Scott. <laughs> wow, wow, the hit! I just, I don't get me started, Quacker, how that woman still has a job in WWE. <laughs> wow. Like, no, not, no offence, but is, have you ever been, oh, there's Tamina, I'm entertained, you know what I mean? No one's ever said that. <laughs> um, like I, I, thing, I haven't cared about her since 2012. I haven't cared about her ever. <laughs> uh, like, just to, just to look at, like, see her debut, uh, like, uh, a praise of NXT time. We haven't seen the true Sasha Banks in WWE, mm. and the start of this with the team bad was just the the beginning of them mishandling her character, I believe. Mm. Um, because you're right, she was a great heel in NXT. Her character was great in NXT. The problem that she had when she came out to the main roster was Charlotte is also a great heel, and Alexa Bliss is possibly the best heel in WWE. In our day. Mm. You know what I mean? So, despite the fact that you no, know, she was a lot of fans were clamming for her to win at WrestleMania 32 and become the first Raw Women's Champion, and she did get multiple title reigns in some aspect, but as Kwaku, you mentioned, she never had a really successful defence because would it be fair to say that she almost got overshadowed by someone like Charlotte? Again, this is, this is the thing that annoys me. And it's pu- it was purely that whole pay-per-view streak just annoyed me. I'm sorry, it annoyed me no. because it got in the way of proper storytelling. It, it just had, and it also made things predictable in that time, and I didn't like it. And Sasha Banks is an incredible talent. We see the work she does. Is it really fair to say that, yes, yeah, she's won all those women's championships, but she's never defended it successfully? But she's also a baby face, you know, and they play into the fact now. Uh, I don't know when she'll be back and if she'll be back in WWE, but that's part of her story now. She's never been able to defend it, so see when the next time she wins it and she has to come in her first title defence, you're going to be watching that with bated breath, you know what I mean? So I get I get what you're saying at the time and how frustrating and annoying it is, but my perspective would be that that was by design. Yeah, cause how often have we wanted someone to win a title so badly and they've won it and they had that moment and then a few months into the room we're talking about, yeah, this is getting a bit boring now. <coughs> Becky Lynch. <coughs> we, gets a bit well, even AJ Styles, one of the best wrestlers probably in the world today, couldn't maintain, make it a long title reign interesting. If he can't, people like that can't do it. Like, I think Sasha managed to avoid the whole, like, boring babyface title reign because it built more of a story of her constantly having to, having to snatch away from her. Yeah, so, um, but it has sort of come up quite a few times that she's actually been quite injury prone, especially with back injuries. Yeah. Like, because there was the SummerSlam match 2016 against Charlotte. And there was a nasty bump she took off the top rope, and I think people were starting to get worried about her style yeah. of wrestling and the fact that she does take risky spots and she takes a lot of bumps. Do you think that's a sort of affected how maybe WWE sees her as a performer? Well, I was about to say, which nasty bump? She's folded up more times than an accordion. Uh, it seems like she takes one pair half a match, you know what I mean? It's like uh, she has the Keaton Tierney of WWE, I think. Whoa. Um, like, <laughs> I think, I Don't think, be dissing KT. I think somebody needs to take Sasha saying like, listen hen, 
you're good. You don't always have to t- do a, t- a suicide dive because every time she does suicide dive, I'm like, oh no, no, no. Yeah, maybe like, we should be- tell her. She should know better than anyone. This, like, this, this is gonna be the day that she lands on her head. Aye, <laughs> it just feels like it feels like watching Lita versus Trish in the main event of Raw like every week with Sasha Banks and oh, well, I'm gonna tumble with the outside and I'm just gonna crash my head into so that. The fact that she scorpions it, that's a bit bad. Oh god, the scorpion. Yeah, yeah. Like, people love it. Like and that's part of the, our charm is that high risk style because we like we, we, we all love a bad boy, don't we? Is that goes a lot? We all we all love a daredevil. You know what I mean? We love our Jeff Hardys. We love our Rey Mysterios. We love people who are going to jump off things and do high spots. We love our Shane McMahon. Well, we uh, used to. Yeah, well, used no, to. no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, we respect him just that. Yeah. We just don't want to down a fool. So the, the thing about Sasha Banks is correct. She can adjust her style, but. Mm-hmm. Um, her style is also part of what makes it entertaining so yeah. it is no, a, I think another big issue with her is like like look, Babyface Sasha Banks has a limited time period it worked against a big heel like Charlotte once the few Charlotte ended we had Bailey. so like okay we're moving into Charlotte Bailey now and when Bailey retained and the pay-per-view shoot with Charlotte should have ended at me and not bloody fast lane of mm. all things if you're going to mm. have one have it end on a meaningful show and Gary and Lucy were at that Wrestlemania as yeah. well the fa- it- being able to see Bailey actually win the title rather than retain it, that would have been huge for both of them. Yeah, and if she won, she came out, she comes out with me of the championship. The fact that they didn't pull the trigger on a heel Sasha Banks versus Bailey feud was uh, a long shot because they left the two of them languishing because they suddenly found, we'll find a better heel. This is Alexa Bliss. And this is the problem. Yeah. We'll, and they both we'll get, left languishing. Yeah, we'll get to that in just a bit. But just one more thing before we go to a quick break. Um, obviously, Sasha's status with WWE in the minute is a bit up in the air. And. There have been rumours floating around that you know she's not the easiest of people to work with and that she's had some booking frustrations as of late. We haven't seen her since WrestleMania 35 when she lost the women's tag titles to the Iconics. Where do you think she might end up at this stage? She is the one who attacked Roman Reigns. Now hear me out. Right? No, I'm kidding, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the real drone on Smaddy thing, he did it for the bus. <laughs> I, I do think we'll see Sasha Banks back. I think they'll have learned from their mistakes and I think they'll finally pull the trigger with a Sasha heel turn and that's how she makes a return. They've set up in story. They're not averse now to giving the wrestlers breaks. They're giving Finn Balor some time off. Um, I think that's what's happened. I think she said after WrestleMania, give me time off till after SummerSlam. After SummerSlam, or even at SummerSlam, we'll see what happens this Sunday. Da, da, I believe we get. Do you remember the last time you wrote an article predicting Dean Ambrose returned? <laughs> <laughs> How's that worked out for you? Just saying. Oh, I've predicted many things correctly in my time as a sweepster at ESSR. One very public thing wrong, alright. <laughs> you're, you're not the goat of WWE rosters, though. <laughs> or quizzes for that matter. <laughs> but. The whole thing with Sasha is I know she's frustrated, but like the whole thing we heard rumours like she's like a guest at a party who says, Oh yeah, I'm gonna head now and then every now and then you see that are still here. Hey gone, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna be in a second <laughs> and then you see they're still there. Are you leaving? Oh so now you want me to leave. You said you were gonna leave, leave She's the Great Britain of WWE European <laughs> Union essentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I wanna bring politics into it. Alright, on that and on that somber note, um we're gonna go to a quick break, so Thanks it. <laughs> um Yes, for this break, uh, we're going to be replaying the moment where Charlotte, Sasha and Becky got their call up to the main roster to confront Team Bella. And uh, after the break, we'll be discussing the remaining two of the four horsewomen. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hush your wish, it's the wee man and you're listening to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Nikki Page is out here because I wanted her out here. 
so you can stop running your mouth because things are going to change starting right now. Now I want this revolution here in WWE. Paige wants this revolution, but Paige, courage can't do it by itself. It takes more than that. You need backup. I know someone who has had to scratch and claw and fight for everything that they've ever gotten. Somebody who's not afraid of the fire, somebody I would want in the foxhole with me. So joining Paige right now is Becky Lynch. Oh boy. Ladies and gentlemen, if you watch NXT on the WWE Network, you're very familiar with this young lady, Becky Lynch. So joining forces with Paige will be a woman who was bred for this business. Superior, ladies and gentlemen, Charlotte! And you hear the whoos that has become this young lady is the daughter of the two-time WWE Hall of Famer, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Uh, Naomi on the right and Tamina on the left. Hold up! Wait one minute! We got some unfinished business with the Bellas and with Paige. That's right, Naomi and Tamina. You should be out here. You should be taking your place, and I'm so glad that you are. But you know what? There's someone else who thinks a lot like you do. Somebody who so isn't afraid to stand up for themselves and to seize the opportunity and to seize that moment. Someone who calls herself the boss. And she is the current NXT Women's Champion, Sasha Banks. I can't believe this. <laughs> oh man. Becky Lynch, Charlotte, and now Sasha Banks. Three women who have revolutionized NXT. Look at this. This is amazing. Nowhere for the Bellas to go. Change. Take a look. Team Bella tapping in. Steve.
is a sight I never thought we'd ever see. Hey guys, more than hype here, LJ Cleary, Darren Carney, Nathan Martin, and you're listening to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet! Welcome back to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. I'm David Hockney and I'm joined by Scott, David Campbell and Kwaku. And today we're discussing the four horsewomen of NXT. And what you heard on the break there was Charlotte, Sasha and Becky getting their call up to the main roster to confront Team Bella. Uh, but before we go any further, I just want to say a quick thank you uh, to the voices of this week's show. Up first, thank you to the wee man. Uh, his, inter- <laughs> uh, his interview with Derek is out now on our back catalogue, so make sure you give that a listen. <laughs> and I'd also like to say thank you to More Than Hype Blah. <laughs> uh, Their interview with Sarah uh, will be out this coming Monday So if you want to listen to that, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on your preferred platform <laughs> I'm assuming the wee man is a character Because I was wondering why you were thanking Ross McLeod there uh, Now we have had uh, some listener feedback ahead of this week's show We were asking on our Twitter page like, What were some of uh, our listeners' favourite matches and moments involving the four horsewomen Uh, We have John McFarlane says Becky Charlotte's last women standing match at Evolution pay-per-view And also Charlotte Becky Sasha WrestleMania 32 And his favourite moment was when Becky turned heel at SummerSlam 2018 Uh, Adam Morrison says uh, Sasha, Charlotte and Becky's main roster debut as you just heard in the break uh, Sasha winning the title on Raw for the first time Becky and Charlotte main eventing with Ronda at Wrestlemania and Bailey winning the title from Sasha at TakeOver Brooklyn 2015 uh, Some of the other input we've had is Sean Smith says Charlotte is the best in ring Becky's promo and character work uh, and Sarah says Nietzsche says any more about a bit like Becky Lynch because she's just she's just great Nietzsche says more about Becky Lynch hey, Nietzsche oh, right, Nietzsche I was like I don't know about Nietzsche we're talking about <laughs> Becky Lynch she's at the Becky Lynch fan club of the SSR so she's obligated to yeah, say yeah. that yeah. Yeah. it's very threatening to talk very positively about Becky Lynch yeah. mm-hmm. uh, we, we did a poll as well on uh, our community page make sure you follow that on Facebook as well about who our listeners think is the favourite of the four horsemen we'll address that a bit later on in the show uh, but let's uh, let's continue the discussion with uh, the third of our four horsewomen, and it is the hugger, Bailey. Who doesn't love a hug? <laughs> um, Depends on the person. I think. It, yeah, a consensual hug. And <laughs> oh. would it be fair to say that Bailey was a very popular sort of character? based on our time in NXT. Scott, I'll start with you. Yeah, definitely. Because with Charlotte, while she's Charlotte spent time as a face, she's the most natural of a heel of all of them, whereas Bailey is on the complete opposite scale. She's the most naturally baby face of all of them. Because basically the whole thing through her time in NXT is she was basically like one of us. If we were in her position, she's so she was always so startled. Like she had a match with Paige and a match with AJ, and she refused to help him because she was just so startled. She's in the ring with them. It's... I don't know why, but she always reminds me of like somebody who started out on like CBBS and now has progressed to uh, to BBC now. Yeah, it's like it's like she was on not so tough enough before. 
<laughs> or something like that just like won a prize and was like you they, get to be in a wrestling ring yeah you, you won a pr- won the sort of competition or something mm-hmm. uh, but um, David would you think her sort of major demographic when you know we usually get a lot of diehard NXT fans that are mostly mm-hmm. like older males and teenagers and stuff but do you think Bailey's demographic was more appealing to families with like young children she's for the kids man for the kids, <laughs> they need that. You know, wrestling, the large uh, variety of fan base um, in WWE, but they are a, we've got to remember they are a PG product. Uh, mm-hmm. They are trying to target younger children for NXT, for their draw at house shows, especially, and to get more girls into wrestling. Bailey is the perfect character to do that. You just need to look inside the ESSR family and no <laughs> further than that to know that Bailey is popular amongst the younger viewers. Yeah, no, look no further than Gary and Lucy, who are actually going to SummerSlam this weekend as well, so she'll get to see the the SmackDown Women's Championship. Yeah, the retention of Bailey's SmackDown Women's Championship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, what I don't like about Bailey is that yeah, she has all that gimmick and stuff, and it's easy to go into the booking of oh, she never wins, oh, she never fights properly or stuff like that. Look at Eugene, for example. I know I'm going a bit back and it's a bit out there of a suggestion, but look at the differences that Eugene was that kind of happy go. Oh, I've I've seen my heroes. Oh, I've talked about my heroes and all that kind of stuff. But Bailey is an actual credible threat. Mm-hmm. in a nicer way I think that's the, the deceptive thing about her as well like you know she comes across as this really lovable and sort of playful character but in the ring she's just as good as any of the other horsewomen like, I know we've got a lot of hardcore like male fans who would usually crap on a goody two shoes character but like the only thing when you're a family pro you need something for everyone and that's why a character like Bailey is needed I think you've actually seen in a lot of wrestling shows even NXT there were grown men wearing I'm a hugger t-shirts and I think the fact that it was able to appeal to them, not just the target demographic, is I think with Bailey it came across more natural, not as man- manufactured as when, like kind of like a John Cena is. I think that's what you get a lot of families and little kids that love John Cena and all that. It's a lot of deep, a lot of men that are the ones booing Cena. Yeah, definitely. She crosses boundaries, and I think that's because of what I brought up earlier about the fan ownership of the NXT canon and the NXT characters. They feel like they're one of them. You know what I mean? Uh, I think what actually you both, Kwaku and Dave, brought up about Bailey there is part of the, I'd say, the difficulty in booking her as a character because, Kwaku, you're right. She does come across as a credible threat. Sometimes the worst. Uh, parts of Bailey or the worst stages of her career or when she's veered too much towards that stupid innocent naive. baby face naive baby face exactly for me they've only just got Bailey right I'm loving the Bailey we're seeing right now and I think the Bailey we're seeing right now is closest on the main roster to the Bailey we've seen in NXT mm. uh, just focusing on her more of her time in NXT for the moment she was in a position I think you could argue, obviously, she felt like the underdog in some aspect. You know, you had the other three that were being called up to the main roster while she was sort of kept down on NXT a bit to sort of have her development as NXT Women's Champion. Do you think that sort of promo between her and Sasha Banks on the build to take over Brooklyn, do you think that really painted her in the best light as the the almost perfect underdog who's making the transition now from very sort of kid-friendly... Like I think the, the phrase we coined there was like you know competition winner almost into a properly credible superstar and champion. Do you think that was the turning point for her? Yeah, she needed the big win. 
Um, it's not a thing that all baby faces need or all wrestlers need the big win in the big stage but she definitely did uh, for her character and to have the proper payoff um, her whole story was as Scott pointed out earlier she was the one that was getting left behind she was the one that was always getting turned on she was the one who was never quite getting the job done and for her to get that big win and for them to set it up as the ultimate underdog um, was absolutely the perfect way to go for a character and there's a reason that, that match is viewed in such high regard is because not only was then ring work great but the storytelling before during the match itself and then after the match was absolutely perfect in terms of the booking of both characters Bailey included yeah, I think she really needed this because in the build to this, they had her go through Charlotte, who she, I don't think she'd ever beaten. She beat Becky to earn the title shot. She go, went through these women who are perceived as better than her because they're going up and she's not. And she needed this win to fully establish herself as a, a top competitor and not just this naive baby who never usually wins. I think keeping her to carry the division for a while was a good thing because it was around this time they were starting to build new people like Carmella, Alexa Bliss, Nia Jax, and it wasn't just those four that were the focus, focal point. Not long after her, her win in the takeover, uh, Asuka would debut not long after. Mm. Yeah, just to sort of uh, turn your attention back to her title reign as well. Mm-hmm. You guys remember when they had a takeover in London? Yeah. Like, that match alone just goes to show how over she was mm-hmm. with the fans as well. Do, do you remember the, the Hey Bailey, Bailey. chant? Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, is it really because of Bailey or is it just because the tune is quite cool and her name fits it? I think it's a combination of both. It has yeah. to be a bit of both, I was at the the Glasgow. They were doing a full UK tour, and I was at the Glasgow show, and they were starting similar chants like that. Was this like, Raw Glasgow, or is this something else? No, uh, NXT did a Glasgow show in December of 2015. Did they actually? Yeah, they did. It was mm. a really cool show, like, and they had like chants, like the chants for Gable and Johnny. We'd later here on TV. They were starting, and these shows they just go to show not how over these people are getting. They're, like, I'm being great with this match with Naya. And I was like the big threat. Like the, this is her first like outside the four horsemen threat. And the thing with Naya is, I think she should have caught Naya out of nowhere with like a roll up. I didn't like how she won by submission. She made the big monster tap so soon. I like. I actually disagree. I, I really enjoyed the guillotine because it was this idea that Bailey was so technically proficient and good a wrestler that she managed to catch Nia Jax. It did catch her off guard. She managed to yeah. lock that in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was a good. See with the song thing, I have to say I think it is to do with the wrestler because I went to NXT down at Downwood and tried to start our Ruby Kaiser Chiefs chant for Ruby Riot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And that arguably fits better, you know. So I think it just matters uh, who the wrestler is as well. Like, I remember, you remember everybody thought she was going to get called up the Monday after Mania Thirty Two. So while Charlotte's doing her promo in the ring, everybody's chatting it. So I think it goes to show it has a lot to do with Bailey herself being over mm-hmm. and then want to see her. One more aspect about that chat as well is like when she obviously arrived. She when she did arrive on the main roster that year after her feud with Asuka, you know. The Raw Glasgow show, the Hey Bailey chants, you know, they went on for a really a good sort of five, six minutes. I think, Quacka, you, you and I were both there, I think. Were you there? I was not oh, no. there. So I was there. for rubbing it in. Was it you there, Scott? Yeah, I was way up at the back. I got a great view. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you remember how long it went on for, right? Yeah, it went on forever. Like, I was interested, like, I need to watch when they put this on tail because I, I have a feeling like they're going to edit this down significantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll also that. point out that Smackdown the next night, the arena was uh, chanting Ellsworth over and over again. So sometimes it isn't about. <laughs> the quality of the worker sometimes yeah. it is just about <laughs> the character yeah. just sort of um, yeah, going forward as well she, Bailey did uh, finally win like the Raw Women's Championship from Charlotte uh, on Raw I think it was on the build to Fastlane mm. but 
after WrestleMania, she was made to look kind of weak, especially with her feud in with Alexa Bliss. Like they had the the kendo stick match at Extreme Rules, and that was just some of the worst booking I've ever seen in my life. Do you think this really damaged Bailey following? the really successful run after WrestleMania. I felt irreplaceably. I didn't think we would see Bailey be a success in the main roster mm. ever again after this. I think Alexa Bliss is a great heel, but the problem for Alexa Bliss sometimes is she makes her opponents look weak. Um, I think um, she's fantastic, very entertaining in the mic, but if you can't keep up with her, you will get eaten alive, and that's kind of what happened to Bailey in this feud. She is a fantastic character. She's not the best when it comes to the mic. She's best when they just let her speak from the heart and mm. just go off script. Um, but coming up against Alexa Bliss in that match and the This Is Your Life segment oh which God. was absolutely why did you bring that up I actually erased it from my mind I think it's is it not rated like the worst segment in Raw history yeah yeah and it's like that just shows you man like that just shows you like how mishandled Bailey was as a character at this time mm-hmm. and coming up against a buzzsaw in the mic and Alexa Bliss just wasn't going to help her mm-hmm. I think it exposed greatly the differences between how the main roster books talent and how NXT books the talent because the likes of uh, her and later Johnny Gargano have shown like proved that out wrong like oh you can't have just a pure babyface anymore where people in the know it's all shades of grey like oh you can't have a purely fan favourite babyface but like I'm convinced that the NXT writers and the WWE writers meet up whenever new talents may go and they have and the next thing probably have all these comprehensive notes about who the character and the main roster guys only take in like a few words like Bob, what's this Bobby Roode guy all about? He's this, he has this glorious entrance, he's this all up he's still heel. Okay, so he says glorious. What if I'm Balor? He's talented, but occasionally he has his demons. Okay, talk about the demon a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bailey, she maintains this childlike innocence, but she's still a great wrestler. Okay, treat her like a child. <laughs> yeah, I just can't make her dressed up in this really loud outfit, sort of multicoloured stuff. And don't forget the wacky waving inflatable arms. Okay, she's never kissed... I had, like, so basically implies she's never kissed a boy or anything like yeah, that. There was no need for that. I mean, she's a grown woman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but just one other point before we move on. Um... By the start of 2019, you know, she basically got out of this sort of funk that she was sort of booked in, and she formed the tag team with Sasha Banks, Boston Hub Connection. They won the Elimination Chamber to become the first ever historic women's tag team champions, and she went on to become Miss Money in the Bank as well, and then won the SmackDown Women's Championship in the same night. So she's almost had like a resurgence in this yeah. sort of year. And fun fact, she is actually the first ever Grand Slam Women's Champion in history. She's the first person to win the Raw, SmackDown and NXT Women's Championships, the Women's Tag Team Championship and the Money in the Bank bag briefcase. Yeah, that, uh, that's very impressive. So just, uh, just to sort of round this section up, do you think this resurgence is really going to benefit her in the long run? Yeah, I think the Bailey character is better than it's ever been right now. I think I don't think her and Sasha Banks should win the titles. I'd have preferred Sasha to turn on her in the chamber and the beautiful Iconics to have won. Um, but that's by the by. Um, I think her night at Money in the Bank was the perfect reinvention for her. You heard that crowd, you saw how behind her they were. They were going mental for that, uh, not only for the win, but then the cash in. And now she comes across as just a competent, veteran wrestler who is likeable and who you can get behind, and that's perfect. Can I just say, the Boston Hug Connection is probably the worst tag team I've ever, ever heard. Only <laughs> only rivaled by the Graveyard Dogs, the which is what they call, right. call the Undertaker Roman recently. <laughs> yeah. But like... I think the main issue with their tag title reign is they were they had them as a tag team for ages, not doing anything because they were waiting for these tag titles to finally be approved. I think if they'd had a longer reign and more of a feud with the iconics, eventually with the iconics eventually winning the belts off them, they they would have 
and not fucking had the tag titles disappear off television for ages. Yeah. It would have been a great way to establish them and I'm really looking forward to Bailey, what Bailey does going forward with Ember Moon because, like you said, she's had this research ever since mind about what I didn't like is her basically discrediting Ember Moon and trying to get a match with Trish instead. Yeah, so um, going on to our final horsewoman and I think she is arguably, in recent years, obviously the most the most popular of the four, dare I say. It is the last kicker, the man, Becky Lynch. And it, it's funny we say that now because her time on NXT, it wasn't off to the greatest of starts, was it? No, she had an Irish dancing gimmick thing. Yeah, she was basically Michael Flatley Again, in Board of the Dance. But it's, I'll forgive her for that. Like It's like we're talking about with Banks. She take time to find yourself and it took Becky <laughs> a lot longer <laughs> than, than lot, others. A lot longer, yeah. <laughs> she went through a number of um, questionable free, uh, phases in her, in her tenure, not just in NXT, but I do think we saw shades of the perfect Becky Lynch in NXT when she became a sort of tweener character betraying Bailey, then with Banks and then she was against Banks we saw that she plays well in that grey area um, in her time in NXT and I think she did do really good work it took her later to come into her own in her time as NXT than the other horsewoman but like I said she won great matches with Banks she had great matches against Charlotte she did really well in her time in NXT. Mm. Unfortunately, she's the only one of the four horsewomen to never win the NXT Women's Championship, yet she was called up to the main roster at the same time as obviously Charlotte and Sasha, whereas Bailey was kept down to obviously have a title reign of her own. Do you think this lack of accolade compared to the other three, do you think that sort of hampered her or made her come across as almost underrated, but yet still one of the most likeable members of the group? I, th- I think the biggest issue we Becky I think is that you could argue she could have been kept in NXT a few more months than she was because she was only really starting to truly find herself when she got called up she, when she had the match with Sasha she, that was when she fully debuted the new look the look that we know her for now with the bright orange hair and the, the welding goggles she seemed to wear at the time yeah that's a video game inspired from a video game character isn't it yeah. I think I just can't remember. Don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, can't remember we, we know wrestling, we don't know video games clearly on this podcast. Well, I, should this know video, I should know video games though, so this is disappointing. I, 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 do, I do completely agree in a sense uh, with what Scott's saying. Maybe she wasn't ready at the time to come up because I remember Paige infamously when she turned on Team PCB. Well, that's a stupid name. The submission. Yeah, the yeah. Um, she said, Becky, you're the least relevant of all of us, is what she said. And, yeah. Like, you couldn't disagree. Like, you I were mean, just like, yeah, you're I'm right. Given the way the other three were booked, you know, not just on the main roster, but on NXT, it, it, it was somewhat justified. I'm, I'm annoyed that that never led to a feud between her and Paige because Paige should have been the one working with these new... No one's like she had to feed with Charlotte, that was not what it should have been. Mm, for obvious reasons, yeah. They had her bringing up her brother's death and all that, and like that should have led to a feud between them because that before Becky went on to feud with Charlotte, because that would have really established Becky, give her a new one, like, no, listen, she's new on the roster, but she's not irrelevant, she's not just another face in the crowd, she is capable in her own right. Mm. Yeah, so she was somewhat the mid carder of the women's division, almost like a very consistent performer, was getting. A decent amount of title opportunities, like at the twenty sixteen, look throughout twenty sixteen, she was at the Royal Rumble, she was at WrestleMania, and then when the twenty sixteen draft came in, she became the first ever SmackDown Women's Champion. So, do you think this was her sort of big crowning moment that people were almost vying for? I think it was just that she was the perfect choice for it at the time. 
she was SmackDown's top babyface uh, for one, um, and she was the perfect person to hold that title and to give it credibility. Because the thing about Becky that we don't often touch upon is she has been wrestling for a long ass time. Mm. Uh, she, yeah. <laughs> she took some time away from the ring, but that, that, they marketed that sense, especially at that time in her career, mm. that she was well travelled. She was a veteran, almost in the ilk of Natalia, but not as annoying. Yeah. Um, you know, and that was that was. Um, very smart of them, I think, to have her as the first SmackDown Women's Champion. Yeah, because I think it's best that they put all four, like the other three horsewomen, once Bailey got called up, up on Raw. And I think the best thing for Becky was to move her to SmackDown. She could stand on her own two feet, and she was clearly the most over of all the women. And she had a whole new Raw, because at that time Alexa got called up, Carmella was there. So you had all this, you had a new like roster one for her to go up against, because I remember being there. And the SmackDown in Glasgow, where she had her first proper title defense against Alexa Bliss. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, amongst a sea of very talented women on SmackDown at the time, you know, any of them could have like what became the first champion. Like a lot of people were favoring Alexa Bliss to be the first SmackDown Women's Champion, but it was a six-pack elimination, and she was eliminated first, which was quite a bit of a shock. But it wasn't the same Bliss at that time, though. She was still like the thing about Alexa Bliss that's different to the four horsewomen. She never shone in NXT. She didn't shine until she got to the main mm. roster. While the other, these four, is the opposite. They are. They're like the high school kids who were the captain, the quarterback of the football team, and then they were like doing something else in their later life. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, uh, not only did it help Becky, but it helped like so Alexa and Carmel. Because I remember they were two of the last people to ever be picked in the entire draft, and that led everyone confused like, why are they getting called up? But like Carmel would turn heel, so I didn't have that way up. Nikki Bella would have Alexa originally winning the title. So this is what the White Man was so good at the time. It gave new people an opportunity. The land of opportunity. That's what SmackDown's always been dubbed as, yeah. But after losing the, the SmackDown women's title, you know, she had a bit of a... She was kind of like Bailey almost in 20, 2018. Like her 2017 was a bit sort of a bit bland. I mean, she did have a good fit with... Uh, Mickey James, that was a great. She did, yeah, as El Luchadora. <laughs> she was just a bit bland for most of her career before the the Renaissance um, yeah. of Becky Lynch. Though I think that was the problem with her. Like mm-hmm. I said, she was Natalia point two, um, <laughs> the steady hand who would be needed uh, to go and have a good match with someone, but wasn't. She was always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Put it that way. Well, the biggest example of that was even though when she was first SmackDown Women's Champion. Survivor Series, she was even the team captain. Yeah, and she spoke that about that. That was a yeah. She spoke about that in interviews. Like she said, like how even in her first reign, uh, she said she had an interview after she became the man, she won the belt. But actually, the difference between this reign and my first reign is in my first reign, I still had a confidence issue. I didn't feel like I earned it. And she didn't speak up when like the likes of stuff like that happened, and she wasn't uh, the team captain. What's weird about this thing, I was thinking when we talked about Charlotte earlier, in the mid to 2017, you had Naomi as champion. She was an okay champion, but you had credible opponents like Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch right there, and she has like three title defenses in a row against Lana. God Almighty, yeah. All people. Yeah. And then you know, she's not even on Battleground because they put a five woman number one contenders match on that. Uh huh. Yeah, but sort of moving forward to 2018, this is when. This is the, the Renaissance period for Becky Lynch. She was still overly popular with the crowd, and she was finally getting. The, the championship match that's uh, like eluded her for so long and it was going to be a one-on-one match with Carmella at the 2018 SummerSlam but then everybody sort of took a bit of a sour turn to it when Charlotte Flair was added to make it a triple threat and I think the writing was on the wall for a lot of people wouldn't you say? Oh. 
when Charlotte Flair gets added to a triple threat, people tend to shout. <laughs> Whenever Charlotte Flair has been added to a triple threat, it's always been made better. But you know what was actually quite an interesting fact? Because almost this time last year, we were discussing the the SummerSlam 2018 card and what we could maybe expect to see happen. One thing I do remember Ross saying was that Carmella Becky, on its own, was it was argued that it could be dangerously close to a pre-show match. Yeah. So having Charlotte in sort of added a little extra draw. Well, even a broken clock is right at least twice a day, you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. that, her, Carmella's reign was not going very well. Like She'd beaten Charlotte twice. She had to feed with Asuka. Oh, don't and they fought, which caused them to, to add some heat to it. All they could do was bring James Ellsworth back and then mm. quick, thankfully quickly get rid of him again. Like I remember when she got added, like I think I've been like, this is going to be good because coming out of this, someone's going to have between these two because either Becky's going to win it and Charlotte's going to go mental, or Charlotte's just going to steal it from her like she did. Like she won, love it, people, she stole it. She pinned her clean within the rules of a triple threat match, mm. which is technically not cheating. Yeah, even. but then we got the heel turn, and everybody went mental for it, mm. and. I'm pretty sure I heard chants that night of people chanting to Charlotte, you deserve it. Mm. You deserve the beatdown. This is, was is that it, fair enough? I don't think it was fair, but I think it just shows you that people were happy that Becky was finally doing something. And like, interesting. Like, mm-hmm. Did she like, beat the hell out of Carmella and won the title? She would have just went on her, her way as the character she was wore, just a happy go lucky baby face. Whereas she needed this, she needed something to her, and then she would become the man later on. I remember saying we were off at the time this is her Owen Hart moment this is when she says well enough is enough and it's time for a change mm-hmm. this is like this is her Austin 316 moment <laughs> dare you say but after that she went on to have a pretty outstanding feud with Charlotte over the course of Super Showdown Hell in a Cell but culminating to the Evolution pay-per-view where they had the last woman standing match and David you're chomping at the back isn't here. it ironic that the greatest title reign in ESSR history happened in that three month stretch when Becky and Charlotte were tearing it up my career and Becky Lynch's career <laughs> go hand in hand with one another no in all seriousness it was, it was a, I watched all of those pay-per-views Whenever those two tangled, it was a highlight of the night. Those two tore it down. And especially that match at Evolution, that last woman standing match, I wasn't standing by the end of it. I was on the floor. It was unbelievably good. And I don't even think that we give it enough credit mm. right now. We're spoiled. Yeah, we were spoiled with that. It was an outstanding match. I, I do agree with David. He is, his reign is a lot like Becky Lynch. He was once popular, now he's just a bit boring. Oh! oh. Shade. Shade. But, uh, yeah, I remember a lot of people kicking <laughs> off. I'm sorry, that was a bit pot kettle black. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people were kicking off about this not being the main event. And for, in a way, I can see that, but... I, I didn't mind Ronda Nikki being the main event even though it was yeah, I didn't mind Ronda being the main event Nikki though mm. I, I, I liked it because Ronda was up, being brought in as part of this new women's revolution the kind of revolution that you can have all women's pay-per-views and like I said unfairly Nikki is branded as part of the Divas area so in a way her beating Nikki and Nikki basically going away and retiring because of her neck issues it's basically like the new era beating the old Diva era finally hopefully putting an end to it mm-hmm. and then going forward because then from there we continue with having women's Royal Rumbles, women's tag titles and then we had the first ever women's main event of Wrestlemania mm-hmm. Yeah and I think that's a nice segue onto the sort of last segment uh, before we move on is that 
obviously she dubbed herself as the man because you know as a famous flair once said to be the man you've got to beat the man i remember when she first started calling herself man i didn't get it and they realized she's fighting a flair what the yeah, yeah exactly numpty. so i think the man the, the transition to the man gimmick i think it suited her perfectly but you know despite losing to Asuka a couple of times over the Smackdown Women's the title Royal Rumble the Royal yeah, Rumble win ladder match as well. yep the Royal Rumble match was the again another resurgence and there was a lot of worry about it because people thought oh well, she's facing Asuka that night she's not been announced for the Rumble match but oh you I mean, you you knew something come on there was a seated doubt needed, at least Asuka needed it because like Asuka really needed those wins the ones that went to TLC which I loved how they did it at TLC with Charlotte and Becky being on the ladder and Ronda pushing them off Aye. and I remember like going into the, the Asuka was like how are they going to get around Becky Lewis and then being the Rumble and then they just had Asuka win clean and like Hi, fair enough, they're both good competitors, like exactly. why are we annoyed? Mm. And then Becky found an opening and smartly went, well I'm not booked for the Rumble, I'll go in. I will, I will agree with like, because I, I do agree that I predicted Becky Lynch to win the Rumble, but there was a lot of people who were saying, oh Charlotte Flair's going to win it, they're going to do this with Charlotte. That was one of them. Yeah, and uh, Becky's going to have to fight her way, because I will say this, they tried very hard to botch the lead up to that WrestleMania match. Mm-hmm. They tried their best, like the stuff with Becky apologising, like a few like weeks after the Rumble, and then they did the convoluted stuff with both title belts and stuff like that, and they kept, kept trying to swear fans. It worked out for the best in the end. I'm not denying that, but I think the writers almost got in their own way mm. a lot with the build, and that was through no fault of Becky Lynch's who put on an outstanding performance for it. I think it's kind of the female equivalent of the build was, it wasn't as convoluted as this, but it was kind of the female equivalent of when we had the triple threat of Triple H, Shawn Michaels and Benoit at May mm. 20, where you had Benoit who won the Rumble, he had the right, but uh, Charlotte, being the Shawn Michaels agent, felt she had unfinished business with the champion and tried to get her way in. Although they say like, they should have done similar to that and not make it so complicated like that. but I think when we, when I was watching like you were kind of saying like as long as Becky wins as long as Becky wins then they then because she had to win but like they had the, probably one of the best go home angles I've ever watched mm. on the Raw I don't know the only thing I would say about that is I think it felt more like the authority angle from WrestleMania 30 with Daniel Bryan Batista and Orton and the fact that you know maybe Batista won the Rumble but and that was the writers getting their way but at the last minute uh Becky gets interjected when she should have had it so it was kind of a bit of a switch up with that but I think the result definitely worked out well in the end and yeah, we and got the first ever women's main event with a popular winner right, the, the main event was great I agree with Scott the go home was absolutely insane um, <laughs> with the, 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 knee. Through the, the knee through the window oh that was amazing yeah I mean the police were shocking oh, oh yeah that was amazing I loved it mm-hmm. Captain um, Hope will be disappointed <laughs> You may be disappointed, you could be happy, you can never tell with that guy. <laughs> but the main event itself uh, was uh, of a good quality. Um, I think it's hard um, with anything, like not just a wrestling match, a movie, a TV episode, when you build it up enough in your mind, it's hard to meet that expectation. Mm-hmm. I think it did just enough to meet that very, very over the top uh, expectation. Mm-hmm. We talked about like, we don't really appreciate how 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 far we've gone. We talk about how W's branding and all that. We don't appreciate like the idea of we getting this main event at this time because in 2016 we had Charlotte and Sasha main event in LSL and there were always rumours that Vince Matt, even up until a few hours before the show, was hesitant to put these women in that match. Like, and you think of the idea, 
Like, he, if he was so hesitant to put them in the main event of a B pay-per-view, and yet only less than two and a bit years later, they're in the main event. Obviously, Ronda coming had a lot to do with that. But, like, I remember hearing that, like, it's going to be a while before they main event a big four pay-per-view, and I didn't think the first big four pay-per-view they main evented would be with some able. Technically, you can see women's very well, but, like, the first time a women's, like, singles or triple threat main evented a big four pay-per-view, I didn't think it would be a mania main event. Uh, so, um... Sort of just going ahead, what do you think has been the biggest change inspired from the rise of the Four Horsewomen? Uh, David, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, main event and pay-per-views, I think, is got, I think is pure and simple. They are now seen as stars of the company rather than mid-carders. It felt like a separate mid-card division, the women's division, before mm-hmm. the Four Horsewomen came along. And now you've got market, marketable main event talent. Mm-hmm. And you've also got like things like... You know, they've introduced the Women's Tag Team Championship, so it feels like a bit more of a legit division. And you also had things like Evolution Pay-Per-View, where the show was entirely female talent. You know, much like the Scottish promotion, Fierce Females as well, like it was all... Yeah, but it wasn't because the Fierce Females decided to get some blood money and run a promotion somewhere else and I, have only men there. So I know that. It's just, at the same <laughs> let's have things in perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, at, we, we, at the same time, Evolution <laughs> was one of my favourite shows, not only because it was all the female talent and the sort of uh, implications behind it, but the set looked different, it felt different, and I like it when pay-per-views have their own identity. I can remember what Evolution looked like as a stage, I can't remember that with a lot of other pay-per-views, so Mm. I like that. But yeah, it's also transitioned quite recently as well into the world of video games as well, because WWE 2K20, as the official release was announced this week, the cover, Becky's on the cover along with Roman Reigns. Why did Roman have to be? I'm sorry, but what? Uh, yeah, he's not been on it before though. And no, I think, he hasn't. I do, I do honestly think that you get Roman Reigns in a cover or something. There are, will be people who will buy it mm. now because he is the top star. Like, isn't he in Hobson Shaw? He is in Hobson Shaw. Fun fact, David Simmons. Yeah, but just moving away from the, the sort of cover angle, they're actually one of the big things they've announced is for showcase mode. It's actually detailing the careers of the four horsewomen, Ooh. which is. Quite a quite a big deal coming yeah. in from the from a video game standpoint because showcases like highlighting the career paths of noticeable superstars. So the fact that they're being recognised as notable veterans and notable talents on the roster, I mean that's got to be a huge step for both for all of them. Yeah, definitely. Like, there's a lot more like female focus in this. Like the Mike Cream mode, you can do it as a female wrestler and as a male wrestler. They're they're playing the mix match challenge into. Uh, the mess match challenge into the game. China's in the game. Like she's mm-hmm. not been in a game since like SmackDown Two, I believe it is. Yep, that's I, right. I, I First time in almost twenty great. years she's featured in a in a video game. Yeah. I, I remember Ben tweeted, "Congratulations to Becky being the first woman to be on the cover of a WWE video game." And then someone tweeted her a picture of that SmackDown game, and China's right in the corner. China's <laughs> just like like the smallest image of her is in the corner. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like remember her? You know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, I mean, the whole story thing, I'm looking forward to it because I did enjoy playing Daniel Bryan's story and kind of hearing him raw talking about how his journey to WWE and the fact that he's been released twice from them mm-hmm. and then coming back, being the top star, having to retire and then coming back. So it's quite a good story. So I'm mm-hmm. looking forward. Yeah, we did run a poll as well on our community page. You can find us there on Facebook, uh, joining the discussion. We've got topics going all the time. Um, we ran a, a poll about who our listeners and our team thought was the the favourite of the four horsewomen, and <laughs> by a clear mile, with 17 votes, is Becky Lynch. Uh, Sasha and Charlotte both get three, and poor Bailey didn't get any. The, the guy not 
did that guy not vote on behalf of Lucy? <laughs> shocking. No, no, he managed to get priorities straight. <laughs> I do. We did have a comment as well, and it's uh, Sean Smith says he thinks Charlotte was the best in ring. Becky, best promo and character wise. Sasha, best combination of the two. Uh, so that, yeah, that was, that was Bailey. left out for that. Yeah, era. exactly. Bailey's just purely been been left out, but. She's been, but what he's also said about that is she's been so badly let down by her direction, booking, and character development since moving to the main roster. There has been a few occasions where she should have done better by her own accord too, either in matches or segments. But obviously, as we discussed, this resurgence as well seems to be doing her a world of good here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the poll is probably accurate. Becky Lynch is the man. She is uh, arguably one of the faces of the company right now. Mm-hmm. I am quite worried about her I'm not going to lie I've not liked her at a direction since Wrestlemania I've not liked her pairing with Seth Rollins so much in television I've not found her Twitter game <laughs> particularly mm-hmm. as good and I do feel that Becky Lynch as a champion is failing right now uh, in this post-Wrestlemania angle I think that is actually a combination of the poor booking that's been given to her a feud with Lacey Evans for like three months I mean come on no one wanted to see that <laughs> but also I, I honestly think that she's lost a bit of confidence again it doesn't feel like the same Becky Lynch I'm getting week on week it feels like a wackier Dean Ambrose-esque Becky Lynch and I want her to just have that sort of more heelish character again the feud with Natalia I think has been a breath of fresh air I've actually enjoyed it mm-hmm. um, but I have been worried a wee bit since Wrestlemania maybe things will change post SummerSlam once they're out of the, the mania slump as they like to call it but just one one last point before we sort of round up going forward do you think there's any big potential changes that the Four Horsewomen's like position could really bring to the WWE as a whole? Uh, Scott, what do you think? Thank you for really putting me on the spot with that one. I don't know. I think the other... I, Ross has talked about this in the off-camera about the potential of a women's show and an all-women's programme because we do have a very diverse female roster and a lot of them have not been serviced properly and the tag team division has been like evidence of that I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that a brand is added exclusively for the female superstars of WWE Scott do you think you could see that happening with an all female brand? Well I definitely want to see more female all female pay per views and want to be uh, more like clear spot on the show and like higher near the top of the card I don't know about a weekly show because WWE already has Ron Smack doing NXT, NXT UK, 205 Live. I don't think the fans could handle like another weekly show because it's going to suffer with these other networks because eventually when you watch Ron Smack doing it's kind of you need to pick at least one or two to get around and one of them always gets left behind so to add that and then they've already signed so many people that they are struggling to do it so signing more women for to level the roster of that show that would again leave more people wandering around. What I'd hit back in that is you'd get rid of an hour of Raw straight away. If you're the woman who have your own brand, you can shorten uh, the NXT and NXT UK shows, maybe make them bi-weekly. Um, I don't think that you need to sign a lot more women. I think they've got more women than they know what to do with right now, to be <laughs> honest with you. Yeah. Quacky, do you have any comments on it? Mm, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't personally think that weekly show would be the right direction yes a uh, pay-per-view every now and then like two or, two or three a year but nah, not a weekly show in my opinion too much program and 
they would just would they, they, I don't even think they would book it right mm. uh, uh, if it's in the right hands yes if it's in the hands of like Triple H yes in Uncle Paul's hands yeah yeah I mean yeah I mean like we're kind of me and Quacker particular kind of down on a women's weekly show but I think what's one of the ones where you want to be proven wrong you want to be showing that they can handle something properly and something can be booked well mm-hmm. well that's uh, that's the future changes there if you anybody like listening has any further comments you can join the discussion on our community page or you can follow us on twitter at suplex retweet uh, but that's gonna wrap things up for this week uh, just to say next week is the SummerSlam review show hosted by yes. our own goat some have called it the greatest SummerSlam review of all time I didn't say that some people have I don't, I don't know I don't know it's the salt. Yes. <laughs> or the srot. <laughs> the scrot. No, 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 no. Okay, and all that's left for me to say is just a thank you. Do it. Mm-hmm. And happy birthday to you. Thank you. I'll wish uh, David Campbell a happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> and also to Quacko as well. Thank you. Uh, this has been the Four Horsemen of NXT show, and we'll see you next week. Listen, cunts, I don't care what the fuck you think you're doing. Whatever you think is more important with your life, you honking bag of d- tips you know what you should be doing you should be going online you should be subscribing you should be listening to the back catalogue of eat sleep suplex retweet whatever the fuck you're doing that's what you should be doing i don't care if it's your mum's birthday i don't care if she's feeling contractions get on it right now